This is The Power Profile, stories of world-class leadership, hosted by award-winning broadcast journalist and media entrepreneur, Christina Mendonza. Get ready to connect with those defining success. This is The Power Profile, where we look at power in all forms of our personal and professional lives and talk to people who've leveraged power in their own lives. Jeff Wright is one of those people, and we'll meet him in just a moment. Formerly, I called this space a fresh agenda. And while I'm still chatting with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I've changed the title because I really wanted to talk about what makes us powerful in our professional and our personal lives. This is such a unique time in history. And as a morning anchor on a four-hour news program every day, I mean, I see examples of that every single day in the news. People are doing this deep assessment of their own lives. I just did this story about how many people have moved, have taken different jobs, severed or reestablished relationships, taken a stand for the first time on something, or decided that the only job they want is remote so they don't miss a moment of their kids' lives. It's like we all suddenly heard the clock of our lives ticking and we've stopped to think, is this is the way, is this the way I want to spend time? Is this the way I want to spend my life? Some people have decided this is the time to take a risk. Marianne Williamson says playing small does not serve the world, and she's absolutely right. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. So I think that's why this great resignation is going on, and this, I think maybe it needs to be called the great assessment, because that's what it seems like people are doing. You're a lot of things to a lot of people. But that isn't all you are. I work with lots of younger people in broadcasting. There are reporters and anchors who have honed their skills over several years, and they're really good at what they do. They're smart. They're quick on their feet. They're deadline-oriented. They can talk to a variety of people and read them quickly. And yet for those who decide that they don't want to put up with all you have to put up with in broadcasting, they say to me, I can't do anything else. I've trained for this. It's like the teacher who doesn't see all of the applicable skills they have that will qualify them for any number of careers, or the insurance agent who doesn't understand how to leverage his skills somewhere else. Limiting beliefs about ourselves are what Jeff Wright works on with his clients. He's the CEO of Agent Sales Group, and he works with sales professionals. And there's a lot to learn from how sales professionals are trained, even if that isn't your primary position because all of us need those skills to navigate our lives and careers. Joining me now is Jeff Wright from Agent Sales Group. And Jeff, um, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you being on the Power Profile and spending some time with us. I know you help people become specialists. So talk to me about how you do this. Well, Christina, first of all, thank you for having me on. The first thing that I do is lots of people have confidence issues. And in the sales game, um, lots of people – that's one reason why motivational speaking and motivational services are are so big uh, in the sales space, and that's simply because people are scared. And the biggest thing that I teach them, first of all, is is having self-confidence not really believing in what they're doing, but but knowing in what they're doing. There's a huge difference between believing and knowing. Um, we, we, teach them, we teach them how to be self-confident, 
And then we also teach them really some unorthodox methods and really common sense methods on selling processes and negotiation processes. Okay, so confidence, you're right. I mean, if you're going to uh, present any kind of product in the world to someone, you have to have confidence about it and, and deep knowledge about it. When these people come to you, uh, the, the clients that you're working with, what is their biggest, uh, what is their biggest barrier to confidence? The biggest barrier they have is they, they limit their beliefs. And the reason why they limit their beliefs is because a lot of people, uh, you know, growing up, their their by their family, their friends, their teachers, and whatnot, a lot of these people have only gotten so far in life, and they think that's it. And and if they don't think that that they have gone any further in life, then why should the other guy get any further than that? And I teach them to. To not not believe and agree with what others have told them in the past, because if they if they don't agree with other people, if they don't care about their opinions of what they're doing, uh, it's really unbelievable just how unlimited that they can become. What does the process uh, when you're working with clients look like? Like, do they do uh, coursework? Is there are there lectures? Are there is there like a, a five point plan or what does it look like? Well, with our agents, what we do is we do a series of Zoom calls, and, and there is a lot of one-on-one coaching with them. And the first thing that I try to teach them is is develop good habits. You know, motivation only gets you so far. Mo- motivation is what is what gets a, a plane off of an aircraft carrier. That's the motivation, that inertia. But to stay flying, it depends on a lot of good habits, good habits of the pilot, good ca- habits of the crew, uh, good habits of, of, of lots of uh, people that are behind that plane staying in flight. And so in, in developing, uh, I really teach them uh, to have good habits and to, to do things for what I would call smart goals, uh, smart S-M-A-R-T, meaning small, measurable, attainable, repeatable, and trackable. So if I have someone that comes to me and they want to make a million dollars a year. I say, okay, that's great. Let's focus on you making a hundred thousand a year. Let's get that win in place. Then let's scale up from that and scale up and and until excuse me, let's scale up from from the hundred thousand to two fifty. Let's scale up from the two fifty to five hundred and so on and so forth. But a lot of times if someone has it in their heart if they're going to go from zero to a million dollars in a year, I mean, common sense, you know, most people that doesn't happen, but if they don't make it, they're really disappointed. So we try to teach them to keep their goals small so that as they're winning, they're racking up wins. And the more wins that you rack up, the more confident you're going to be. Right. Oh, absolutely. Those small goals mean so much uh, to the overall picture. And I was reading your blog and you talk about being a, a master instead of, you know, a jack of all trades. How important is it to have deep knowledge of something when you are selling anything? It's very important. It's all about obsession. If you look at if you look at any great musician, uh, any great artist, athlete, these are people who didn't just practice what they were doing. They were, they were becoming totally focused and obsessed 
on what they're doing. And, you know, you can get really good at anything, but without that obsession and that focus on that one singular thing, you'll never get great at it. So I, I firmly believe in, in whatever whatever your passion is that you enjoy, uh, it's and and whatever serves the purpose that you that you feel like you have in your life. Um, to be good at it is is one thing, but to become great at it, you have to have focus and obsession over that one thing. And and you know, and and having that obsession uh, can really bother a lot of people because. I've had people get very obsessed over what they were trying to do, and it made a lot of their friends and even a lot of their their family uncomfortable. And one of the big things, and I think this is really important for a lot of people uh, who are successful to hear, I, I've often been asked my I've often been asked why is it that one's family is the worst support group that they can have. Uh, and unfortunately, in many, many cases, that's true, even in my case. Uh, brothers, sisters, and whatnot, they don't, they don't seem to really understand what you're doing. And someone had told me years ago the reason why that is, and I believe it, people, people get uncomfortable with you being obsessed over your work or being obsessed over your passion simply because they're not upset with you, but they're upset with themselves because – they didn't have the courage and they didn't uh, have have uh, the willingness to take the risk that they needed to do to get to the level. So it's really more out of – it's not really jealousy. It's really more of them kind of hating on themselves for not doing what they uh, – um, for not doing what you're doing, for not having the courage to step out and take risk. That's interesting. Is it like envy, you know, um, in some cases – uh, is it also, and I'm wondering, because sometimes I'm sure you work with clients who have spouses, is it also just the the, um, the need or the uh, risk-averse nature of maybe one spouse? So maybe, you know, they just, safety. You know, I, I once had a therapist friend who said, you know, human beings will make a dash for safety of faster than anything. And when you're looking at people in the great resignation saying, you know, I'm going to do something else with my life and you have a spouse and you have a mortgage and you have kids to, to raise, it can be scary to take a leap and it can be scary if your spouse is going to take a leap. Uh, it really is. And that is why having the confidence and, 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 and building your own self-confidence, not just within yourself, but having that confidence uh, reflect to your spouse. You know, your your spouse knows that, that you have it going on. One thing that I tell people, though, all the time, if you don't take a risk, you're going to be working for someone who did. So, and and it's not for everyone. Not everyone. You know, lots of people are, are risk averse just by nature. If you take you take the gentleman who runs the daily operations of my company. Uh, brilliant guy, Harvard MBA. Um, uh, he is smarter than any 10 people that I know. So if you look at it on paper, I should be working for him instead of him working for me. But the thing is, I'm willing to take risk. He is not. And, and, and lots of times, uh, entrepreneurs will, will, will kind of get themselves to a point to where they took all these risks 
they, uh, you know, they threw caution to the wind, and then they get to a point, and then all of a sudden they have this, uh, you know, they have a level of lifestyle that they're comfortable with, and then they start withdrawing back because, wow, I worked so hard. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose this. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose what I worked so hard for. Uh, and they tend to forget about the risk-taking that they took that got them there, and that same risk-taking really hasn't changed. It's just doing it at a, at a bigger scale. So that's why a lot of them will grow to a point and just plateau. It, it's simply because they're driven by a fear of losing what they worked so hard for when, when in fact, in lots of cases, that's just not true. Well, and I guess the world needs both, right? They need risk takers and they need people who, uh, you know, maybe uh, aren't as risky. And I, I guess it's just all about figuring out which one you are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and some people are, you know, most people are, are, are not risk takers. M- most of them aren't. But unfortunately, I think the reason why a lot of people don't come out as risk takers is because they are worried about what other people are going to think of them. And which to me is, is an insane notion, but unfortunately it's true. I I do, I do blogs on um, video blogs on on Instagram and and, and Facebook every day. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of people I know, uh, will tell me, oh, I really liked what you what you said on Instagram. I, I really like this. I really like that. And they, I said, well, well, thank you. I didn't realize that you even watched it because I, I, you never liked or commented on it. And you know what their answer to that is, Christina? What? I I don't want other people to think that applies to me. Ah, uh, yeah. This it- is just a. a, a uh, this could be from a 30-second video on uh, uh, on Instagram. They mm-hmm. don't want other people to think that it applies to them. So Interesting. A lot, of people, a, a lot of people don't take risk because they think that their family's going to think that they're crazy or their family's going to discourage them. And then a lot of times that's true. But – to become, I, I forget who I heard this from the other day. It, 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 I laughed because it is true. Someone was talking about if you're taking risk, if you become obsessed, um, you know, you're going to become so singularly focused. Most of the people in your inner circle are going to think you're a lunatic. And then he stopped and said, but if you think about it, it's lunatics that are running the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true that is true i know that, that it, that, maybe that more true. true than it should be at this point maybe more true than it should be <laughs> <It's exactly. true. laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your background i know you've been a serial entrepreneur what were some of the other businesses that you started and what were kind of the lessons that were transferred from those businesses well i i had a very interesting childhood i I grew up, uh, I live in Florida, but I, I actually grew up in, in Georgia. And uh, you know, my father was an entrepreneur. My father owned a lot of businesses. A lot of them were not such great businesses. He owned pawn shop. Um, he, he was a federal bail bondsman. 
So I, I was I was around a, a, a different group of people than most people would have had growing up. And so my biggest motivation when I went to college was I, I didn't want anything to do with the life that I had as a child. I did, it, it, not that it was a bad childhood because it wasn't. It was just I, I did not want to be in that environment. And so my biggest driving force, even even today, is I don't want to go back to where it was that I came from. Mm. Mm-hmm. But when I graduated, right before I graduated from college, a friend of mine and I, we started an equipment leasing company. We were financing uh, office equipment and whatnot. Now, this was back when a fax machine cost $10,000. Uh, if you can imagine that. Wow. Fax, fax machines back then were incredibly expensive. You can get them for like so, two bucks now at Goodwill. Yeah, you can get them for like two bucks now. That's <laughs> right. So, so we were, we were, we started an equipment leasing company. It became very successful. Um, towards the end of the 90s, um, we had a lot of the banks that we were selling the, uh, our, our, our leasing paper to we're starting to require that we put life insurance on the lessees. And uh, so in 1999, we sold our company. And my partner, who was older than me, he retired. And uh, But I really enjoyed the insurance space. And, and to be honest with you, compared to loaning money like we were doing, uh, you know, selling life insurance was like, was, was like running a lemonade stand. In, in comparison, it was, it was so much easier to do, much less pressure to do, much less risk. And so we found ourselves getting into a few niche markets, and we started training agents So uh, to, to go into those markets. I had developed some systems that had become successful. I knew that only I could go so far if I did it on my own. And, um, and the other thing I like about the insurance business is I like how it, it can, how it can really help someone make a really terrific income and provide for their families. But most of all, I have seen firsthand, Christina, what the benefits of life insurance can do to help a family if a loved one dies. Because, Losing a loved one is is bad, but losing a loved one with no money that's absolutely absolutely devastating. Mm-hmm. And you know we've gotten letters over the years talking about how you know homes were saved, kids you know went to college who otherwise would never have gone had it not been for the benefits of the life insurance that 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 we helped facilitate happen. Yeah, you're right. It is devastating to lose a loved one. But then when you lose all of, um, you know, you relied on them to live. I mean, I've had friends who've had spouses die um, and had no life insurance. It was really rough. Um, So this is obviously something that you uh, believe in uh, intensely. Who comes to you for for training these days? Like, who who are you working with most? Well, Seven years ago, I, I really wanted to kind of throttle down my activity that I was doing with my business. Things were running well. Um, uh, you know, I, I decided I'd kind of semi-retire. You know, so I moved to Florida. And, you know, the whole idea was, 
you know, fish all day on the boat and all that, that, that got really old really quickly. <laughs> and so in, in when the pandemic came, I had to start getting way more involved with my company, probably more than I had ever been. And, you know, talk about fear. There was so much fear out there from, from the agents because, you know, they, and, and their spouses because, you know, no one was going to let them come and see them. Right. You know, the spouses were worried if they were going to lose their house and whatnot. So we had to start training. I mean, you know, we essentially had to learn how to do business again practically overnight. So we started doing trainings. We started doing Zoom calls. Uh, we started communicating with our agents more than we ever had. Um, I went from going from doing no Zoom calls to doing, I think I do 43 Zoom calls a week now. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And so how every, how all the other stuff kind of evolved, Christina, is I had not really done Zoom calls before. And I kind of felt like I needed practice to do the Zoom calls. So I started doing these selfie videos with my phone and posting them on social media. And lots of people would call me or, or message me and say, hey, can we talk? I, I'm in the medical space. I, I need some help. I'm in the real estate space. I need some help. Uh, I'm a physician. I need some help. I, I'm a contractor and whatnot. So uh, it, it was very rewarding for me just, just not because it was helping people that work for me, but it was also providing value for other people out there who, who had nothing to do with my business and, and, and whatnot. But it, I felt like I was really doing my part in, in helping them help provide for their families as well. Just, just by giving them sales tips or negotiation tips or, or uh, just giving them encouragement to, to have confidence and not worry, uh, you know, about the pandemic because, you know, the, the, the only thing that's certain is death. The, the death is the only thing that lasts forever. No other problem lasts forever. This thing will go away. Right. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, that's, and that's important for anyone to remember about any kind of problem that you have, any kind of crisis that you have. None of it ever lasts forever. None of it does. Yeah. So, uh, you know, since you are an expert in negotiation, give me like your top tip what, or, you know, something that you think is a, is a go-to that people, you know, don't really know or maybe should know, you know, and this can apply for someone who is in the sales uh, industry or, or even, you know, if you're negotiating a, a salary or negotiating uh, with a spouse or negotiating with your kids. So is there a top negotiation tip you'd like? The top negotiation tip is always use the power of no. And um, I actually, I did a podcast with a gentleman last night and we were talking about this and he's looked at me crazy and he's like, Oh yeah, this makes sense now. So if you look at sales training, if you look at almost anything, you know, if you're dating someone, if you're negotiating with your spouse, if you're doing anything and you want something, you always want them to say yes. Well, Everyone's kind of conditioned to get people to say yes. And when you say yes, or if you feel 
pressured to say yes. It, it's it's not really a solid answer because you're always feeling the pressure to say yes. Do you ever feel that? Oh, of course. Absolutely. If someone asks you, hey, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm not really doing anything. Well, will you take me to the airport? <laughs> yes, you do feel pressure to say yes. All right. Do you ever feel pressure saying no? You know, sometimes if I think, uh, you know, I tend to be kind of a people-pleasing person, so I don't like to say no if they ask me to do something. But, um, you know, I, I would say it's maybe easier. So, so, to, use your, so to use your example, uh, Christina, will you take me to the airport tomorrow? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Christina. Would it be any problem for you to take me to the airport tomorrow? No. Yeah, no. No. Christina, do you want to go to dinner tonight? Yeah, I don't know. Christina, would it be a bad idea to go out to dinner tonight? No. No. Okay, I see what you mean now. All right. If if you're making a sales presentation, and this, this is... This always happens. Someone could make the best presentation in the world. They, they think that they have these people eating out of their hand. And when it comes time for them to pull the trigger, a lot of these guys will say, does this sound like something you'd be interested in? So there, there's no certainty. It's weak and whatnot. Instead, say, would you be opposed to moving forward on this? Would you be against moving forward on this? Is, is it a, would it be a bad idea to get this started now? Uh, okay, so it basically forces the other party to come up with a specific if they're going to say yes. Yeah, exactly. There's almost any question that you can ask that you're looking for a yes answer, you can rephrase that question to get a no answer, and it's going to be, far better for you. Interesting. Okay. Get, I like it. You're going to get far more of what you want by having people say no to you. You just have to rephrase, rephrase your questions to get them to say no. Oh, that's a great tip. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. So I asked this to all of my guests. I'll ask uh, you right now. Uh, what do you do to recharge your creative batteries? Okay, you're drained, you've been working a lot, uh, and you need to recharge before a big meeting or for another 46 Zoom calls. <laughs> what do you do to, uh, to replenish yourself? I have a ritual of five things that I do every morning. I get up at 5.30 every morning. Um, and it, you have to take time for yourself. Um, because if, if you don't, you know, your work and other people will just, just drain you out. It, it, it's, I know it's an overused example, but it's like the, the, the oxygen mask on, on the airplane. You know, they tell you, you put it on before you put it on someone else because you have to be healthy before you can, before you can help anyone else. And so I, I read a lot. Um, I, I can take you through the whole thing that I do every day. I, um, you know, I get up and I practice gratitude. I'm, I'm grateful to wake up. You know, I'm a cancer survivor, so I'm, I'm really happy to be here. So 
uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I practice gratitude. I read uh, some sort of spiritual book uh, for probably 30 minutes every day. I meditate. I exercise. And then the other thing I do is I pick up my phone. And, and the, the worst thing you can do when you wake up in the morning is grab your phone. I, I don't grab my phone and look at it for two hours after I wake up. But the first thing I do before I check email, before I do anything, I think about five to seven people. They could be clients. They could be family members, friends, whoever. I text them just to say, I appreciate you. I love you. I hope everything's going well for you. I like that one. I really do. That's that's fantastic. What a great way to uh, start your day by helping others start their day as well. Because think about it. How many times do you pick up your phone, you see it someone, and you wonder, I wonder what they want now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially people, people that are in, you know, a, a high pressure, uh, either sales career or any other kind of career. You pick up your phone, you see messages, you immediately think these are new responsibilities, new things on my plate that I'm going to have to deal with today. Excellent. And the one thing, you know, people like to appreciate, they, they like to be listened to, they like to be understood, they like to, to know that they're being thought about. And so one of the things, one of the things that, we, that we did when the pandemic started, a, an enormous part of our business is we do insurance service, services for first responders in every state. And these were the guys that got hit the hardest because you know, they, could, they could literally could not go in these police departments. They couldn't go in the fire departments or the EMS or the 911s because of, the, of, of all the lockdowns. They didn't know what to do, and quite frankly, I didn't even know what to do. But I, I couldn't tell them that. I knew that I, I had to have, I, I had to do something to keep them busy. And so, while I am t- doing my texting, I had this bright idea, which actually turned out to work out really well. I had all of them write every chief, commander. Uh, you know, all, all the top people in all the departments to handwrite them all just a card saying, hey, I know things are tough out there. If we can do anything for you, let us know. Just know that we're here for you when you need us. That's it. Hmm. Not asking for anything, just to let them know that we were there. And doing those cards and just letting people know that we were thinking about them and not wanting anything in return, just letting them know that we were available and we appreciated what they were doing. When they started opening the departments back up, our business nearly tripled. Wow. Because they were so grateful for what we had done. And I, and I didn't do this in the intention of crippling, of a crippling business. I, I just... The, the first reason why I did it was I had to have my people doing something. But the other thing, too, is like, yeah, I think this is good because people appreciate the texting that I do to, for them. Uh, why wouldn't someone they hardly ever met, why would they not appreciate it? Well, it, it went over really big. Wow. So, you know, it, and big believer, you know, big believer in writing thank you notes. I, I write 
I, I'm, I'm, I write thank you notes daily to people. And, uh, and one reason why that is so good in relationships and especially good in business, no one does it anymore. It's true. You don't get it. You don't get those very much anymore. So those are two just great stories and really showing the the power in an act of kindness. Just mm-hmm. a sim- simple act of kindness. Jeff Wright from Agent Sales Group. Thank you so much for being with us today. Just so much appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jeff Wright. You can follow him on Instagram at the real Jeff Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. Now, many of you know, in addition to my work on KFBK, I own a company called Mendonca Media. We're an agency that produces content, both independent journalism and branded content for businesses. We are launching something brand new for world-class leaders, thought leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs. It's called The Power Profile. Yeah, it's the same name as the podcast. It's a mini documentary. It's a content piece that we are producing for world-class leaders who aspire to thought leadership. I've won lots of awards for storytelling over the years, so I'm really excited to put those skills to use on these power profiles, and there'll be much more to come from this new service from Mendonca Media. If you like what you hear on the power profiles, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can leave a review on Apple or Spotify or iHeart. Uh, also on SoundCloud, you can leave a, leave a review there. And you can connect with me personally if you'd like to reach out, suggest a guest, or let me know something that you heard that you liked. Just go to MendonsaMedia.com. Until next time, I'm Christina Mendonca. Stay powerful. This has been The Power Profile with Christina Mendonca. Stay connected through MendonsaMedia.com.